Voluntary Input is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it. Go to anchor.fm slash start to join a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Tonight, I'm uh, thankful more than anything to be joined by a good someone I consider a good friend of the show, Mr. William Stodden. Uh, tonight, we're going to try to jump in and tackle this whole censorship discussion because it, it honestly has been driving me crazy the way people have been throwing it around. And I just often feel that perhaps people don't understand what in America, what censorship, how it's really considered, what it really is. How are you doing tonight, sir? Doing all right. I'm having trouble with my lighting still, but trying to look like not a sick person. (laughs) You mean sick as in, sick as in, bro, that's sick. I got to get one of those ring things that all the kids use on TikTok. Oh, yeah, the ring lights. And then you have those circles in your eyes. I think I have them in my eyes. I don't know. So anyway, um, the, this, I think this crazy year slowly starting to wind down. Yeah. Um, you've been holding up all right? Well, doing all right. You know, the economy is what it is. It, it's always mm. going to do what it does. And just, right. You know, Thanksgiving was all right. So uh, how, how was your Thanksgiving? It was good. I mean, my Thanksgiving was what it was every year, though. Uh, me and the wife and kids, we always stay home on Thanksgiving Day. And we do a traditional Ethiopian meal. We never go anywhere anyway, so it was like, <laughs> you know, it's just another Thanksgiving day for us. So, what's involved in an Ethiopian, like a traditional Ethiopian meal? Well, a lot of spices that are hard to come by here, but fortunately, sure. we found some some good places in the area. There's a few Ethiopian communities here in Ohio, mm-hmm. and some good markets. The biggest, one of the biggest problems is getting the flour, the teff flour. And then there's um, there's all these different spices like mitmita, uh, berberry, and it's just knowing how to put all that together. There's chicken involved, some eggs, uh, injera, which is, um, I can't say the word, but I'm going to say it, and all my Ethiopian friends will be like, no, how many times we got to tell you? It's like a rolled <laughs> bread, but it's not bread, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> but... But yeah, it's uh, a yeah. it's really good stuff, and there's a yeah. lot there's a lot of food involved. So yeah, we when in Fargo we had a large uh, um, Somali community right who lived up there, and so there was I think they might have shared a lot of the you know some of the same cuisine at least. I'd be interested that their neighboring countries and all you know there's a large it was amazing there was a large I don't know what who made the decision to resettle Somalis in like northern Minnesota. And Fargo, North Dakota, it doesn't make any. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, Somalia is like 
exactly practically equatorial you know but right and uh, <laughs> Ethiopia is it's tropical it's a tropical climate so mm-hmm. I'm like yeah. yeah when you get to Ohio I'm sure you're like whoa <laughs> yeah four seasons here what is this you know? <laughs> <No>? <laughs> all right yeah. so I think it, I think it would always it always serves us well to start from the beginning uh, because people love to talk about their constitutional rights. So can you tell us where in the constitution is censorship mentioned? Well, the word censorship is not mentioned anywhere in the constitution. Mm. There is no mention of the word censorship at all. There's a, in the first amendment is primarily the the place where people look for uh, speech rights and everything. You'll find in the first amendment, it says that the Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. That's been um, expanded over the years to include uh, political expression, mm-hmm. things like flag burning. Uh, There's a major landmark case in the 1960s where some individual um, burned a flag on the steps of some public building somewhere, I think in Texas or something. And they said that flag burning, even though it desecrates the national flag, is a uh, acceptable form of political speech. And usually political speech involves um, um, maintaining order first and foremost i mean you have you have a responsibility that comes with it and the supreme court has always held that you have a responsibility it's not an you know a completely and totally um uh, infinite right you don't have like the the right to free speech without any kind of constraints whatsoever there's a reason why we have freedom of speech in the country it's a civil right and it's to promote a free society and so if you're not utilizing your freedom of speech then you're not practicing civil rights um if you're promoting some you know terrible thing like you know for example um you know exploitation of children on video and stuff like that you know you can be shut down for that kind of stuff even though you might say well i'm a filmmaker and i wanted to show you know you know horrible acts in my movies Mm -hmm. you're not actually promoting anything that that you know benefits the society in your in your um in your movie and the society has an overwhelming right uh, to protect the safety of the minors that you're trying to depict in your movies. And so right. um, the the rights of society always um, outweigh the rights of the individual. And the individual also can't start public disorder with their freedom of speech. You can't go out and call people to riot. Um, technically, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of this myself, but you can't tell people, let's go have a revolution right now over the <laughs> government. I mean, you can, but I mean, like... It wouldn't be wise. <laughs> I don't think there's a law against it, but I don't think anybody's going to like, I don't think anyone's going to be like, okay, well, we're going to go get this guy now. He's a rabble browser. Unless, you know, me saying that, yeah, we need to go start a revolution. Then me getting 15 people and going and bombing, you know, a federal building or something like that. That becomes right. a conspiracy at that point to commit a crime. And my speech isn't protected under that situation. They can, they can not only get me for, you know, bombing the building, obviously, and for the conspiracy to do so. But they can also get me for, you know, inciting uh, public disorder with my speech. And so, you know, I mean, to answer your question, so censorship isn't anywhere in the Constitution. That's where we find our our civil rights uh, in the First Amendment is the right to free speech. But it's really important to note that the only thing the Constitution really says about it is that the federal government or the government will make no law respecting, you know, limiting, trying to limit your free, freedom of speech, of political speech. And 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 I, and I feel that's the piece that people often miss, yeah. is the government piece, right? 
Well, I mean, if we can read, we can read. Uh, let's go to the First Amendment real quick here on the internet, and we we will see that if you if you pay attention to what it actually says, it only applies to the government. It doesn't apply to things like Twitter or um, yeah. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peacefully assemble, peaceably assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievance. They can't make a law that limits that, but that's really all it says. Right. And so, I mean, I wonder, like, where we get this notion that we have the right to say and do whatever we want on Twitter and, and social media. Well, because then it gets really convoluted later on because, and I apologize, I should have looked this up further, but people will always say, well, then if Facebook or Twitter takes on the role of a publisher then that's kind of different. Do you know more about that or? Well, I mean, think about it. Like if I send a letter to the New York Times or any, or any newspaper, let's say, uh, I don't know if there's a newspaper in there, the Des Moines Register, you know, some little rinky-dink newspaper out in the middle of the country like Des Moines. Right. I happen to live just, you know, 40, mi 40 miles north of there. So I'll just use Des Moines Register. It doesn't even have to be the New York Times. I send a letter to them and say, look, I have a real problem with, you know, even something the government is doing. And I want you to publish this letter. They're under no obligation to actually publish a letter. Right. Uh, and I, I can't force them to publish the letter. I mean, the, the choice to publish the letter or not re re resides with them. And so I'm not sure, like, if Facebook takes on the role of the publisher, you know, if if that yeah. rule is applies, I mean, do, they're under the same constraint or non-constraint as the as the publisher of the Des Moines Register is to allow me to to use their platform to speak my crazy nonsense. <laughs> <clears throat> or, and using your same analogy, because I think um, this is what's happening a lot now, especially with certain political figures, where, and I've seen this in newspapers before, where it'll say. Um, the editor does not endorse any of these comments or they will offer additional facts and information that may be to the contrary of your letter, but they'll publish it anyway. And I think people are missing that that's technically what the likes of like Twitter is trying to do when someone posts something and they say, well, this may contain misleading information or here's more information about what's really happening. Well, I think that I could make the argument for the other side as well in saying something to the effect of the reason why these individuals say that Twitter ought to, you know, they ought to not do that kind of thing. They're not, they ought not put like, you know, a warning on the president's tweets. And he'll come up with some crazy nonsense. He didn't come up with anything. Let's, let's take something that's, that's completely ahistorical. Let's suppose Trump tweets that aliens have landed on the, you know, South Lawn of the White House. <laughs> And are preparing to take the government over, hmm. and he let's let's say he's completely in earnest because, you know, I mean the guy's kind of crazy sometimes and does things like that, says crazy things, and Twitter goes and puts you know this these facts have not been verified, mm -hmm. you know the reason why they're putting it on is because they know the reach of his megaphone on Twitter he, right. he reaches something like two hundred million people or whatever it is, so they put that on there just so people have the ability to say wait a minute. You know, yeah, he's, yeah, they're right. This isn't, I don't know if this, this doesn't sound right, you know, or maybe this isn't true. But his fans will be like, well, why'd you put that down there? Because you're trying to censor him. 
You know, right. you're trying to you're trying to, to censor just his stuff. And you, and more importantly, and this is what they always say: you're censoring his stuff, but you're leaving all of this other stuff mm. completely alone. You're not putting any warning and labels on any of this stuff that's critical of him. You know, when you're just putting stuff that's critical or putting stuff that, that he writes, you're putting the labels on the stuff that he writes and not the stuff that's critical of him. And I think that that's what their their real problem is. They they I don't think they really have a problem with the fact that Twitter puts a label on there. But you know, I mean, I mean, how many tweets a day do you imagine you know goes over Twitter and Facebook, which is critical of the president? Yeah. You know, and Twitter doesn't censor any of that stuff. You know, they say uh, people say on a daily basis, you know, Trump's a fascist. Trump, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe he is. He probably is. He sounds like a fascist to me, but th- he's not been like determined to be a fascist. You know what I mean? So why doesn't that? Why doesn't Twitter feel the need to label that those tweets? You know, this this has not been determined to be the truth that Trump is actually a fascist. You know, I think that's what his supporters are upset about. Well, it depends. Like you said, it depends on who's saying it. Like if I tweet it, who am I? Yeah, I don't have thirty million yeah. followers. Right. It's irrelevant. But I, mean, right. <laughs> I think 59 but, you know, people that'll see it. <laughs> uh, man, if I tweet something, it's like two people will see it. But <laughs> you and me and some, some other guy. Yeah, some right. other person. Someone wants to take me down a few pegs. You know, I get a lot of that. But like someone like Jake, Ta- Jake Tapper comes mm-hmm. on TV. And, you know, he has a large following on Twitter, as he does everywhere. And he'll tweet something out like the, that Trump is a liar on this and you and I might agree. Yeah. He happens to be not telling the truth, but his followers, Trump's followers, uh, will look at that and see that Twitter is sort of playing favoritism when they're not putting that little warning label that this has not been determined to be a lie. When Trump makes some kind of nonsense about, you know, recounting votes or something like that, you know what I mean? And so they see that the, they see that the application of that policy is, is only one sided. And I, I mean, I can understand they're, why they're upset about it, even though, you know, he does lie all the time. Well, I'll just say that he's a liar. This is what I offer those people because I've tried to play that too. I've tried to be like, you know, I always try to say, well, let me look at it from your side. Um, okay, well, on the surface, it would look like they're picking on conservatives, especially him, even though I don't believe he's a conservative, but that's a different conversation. Right. It would look like he's picking on him, but... What they don't stop to think and consider is what you said, for one, his reach. And for two, he just doesn't stop. And like he doesn't, there's no, there's no nuance. Like if Jay Tapper says he's a liar, he doesn't specifically say he lied about beavers drowning in a river last week. Because then they would flag that because they would say, well, he never even said it. So that's not right. true, you know. But just to make a general statement that someone is a liar, there's no reason to flag that. And not to mention, like I said, and then he just piles on and he keeps going and keeps going and adding more and more fuel to the fire. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, you and I can look at at the at, you know Donald Trump's treat, tweets with a you know sober eye. But then again, and I'm going to use the word that I you know it's a controversial word I understand, but. Uh, we're not part of his cult, mm. you know. We're not looking at every little thing that he says is like gospel, right? You know, and so 
I think that I think that Twitter feels like they have some sort of responsibility to the people who are and and I'm this is really condescending. I mean, you know, of them and for me to repeat it, but people are just too stupid to know that he's not telling the truth. They feel like they got a responsibility to those people. And I say, no, they don't have a responsibility. You know, they don't have a responsibility to those people. Twitter's a, a, you know, it's a capitalist organization. It's a money-making organization. Yeah. It exists, you know, to make money for the stockholders of Twitter. Yeah. And so I don't understand why Twitter feels like they have some sort of, you know, journalistic organ- responsibility, you know, to and, his well, followers. At this point now, it, it, it isn't even whether or not they're stupid. I think it's just, now it's just a battle of wits. Now they just <laughs> want to argue the point that Twitter is bad. So yeah, every well, time Twitter does it, they don't, they don't even care if there's truth in it or not, his supporters. Yeah. They don't care. They just want to keep saying big tech bad. Look at what they're doing. They're doing it again. They're doing it again, regardless of what is said. And I think that's just feeding the problem too. Well, I just, I mean, my personal opinion of the matter, I, I'm of two minds on it. The first part is that they should have blacked him out a long time ago. Yeah. They should have taken him completely and totally off the air. They yeah. shouldn't run his stuff. I mean, everybody knew that the guy was a liar from day one. And everything that he says is incendiary. It's designed to, to you know, start a fire. I mean, when's the last time you saw the president come on and say something that was like, hey, you know, we like we would like to celebrate our national parks this month. You know, it's National Park Month. He Go does. Visit your national parks. You know, I mean, he does. Don't see that. He, he does. does but, but you know what the problem is? It gets buried in the mountain of everything else that he right. piles on. Because, because and that's right the problem. That and I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but no, I, I didn't right. mean to cut you off. But I, I get that from people, too. They'll say you never say anything positive about him. And it's like I tell him by the time I get a chance to mention that one positive thing, he's already <laughs> obliterated it with so much other stuff. I can't keep up. <laughs> he's already called all of Africa a bunch of asshole countries. You know? Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's, like, it's completely this is like this is what we used to call unforced errors, man. He, it's a completely unforced error. Like he didn't have to do that. Right. He he just did it for what whatever reason. I don't know what his malfunction is. And it's I get a show. that too, but. But the thing is, is like, you know, you you want the guy to. You know, they talk about how he doesn't act presidential, and all of his followers are like, "Great, he shouldn't be acting presidential. That's completely <laughs> bogus, anyway." You know, we like him because he doesn't act presidential. But my thing is, like, why doesn't he act like a grown up? Because a grown up doesn't go around and incite every single person that they meet. And they're like, "I'm going to say the most incendiary thing that I can find to say at you right now," and. If you want to fight me, let's do it. It's like he's a drunk dude in a bar trying to get into a fight with everybody. And I, I mean, just don't like I don't get that, you know. But I mean, does does Twitter have a responsibility then to shut him off? Does Twitter then have a responsibility to shut him off? Like a bartender has a responsibility to cut somebody off at a bar. You know, if they're too drunk, you know, they have a responsibility because that guy could go out and do something horrible and kill a bunch of people. Well, you know, I mean times a zillion with the president. Right. You know, does Twitter have a responsibility in that sense to, well, to shut them off? And the, the law currently says no. Well, then here's where the responsibility piece plays in. Do you remember there was a time, and I just had this discussion with a friend over on the book. Do you remember there was a time on social media where anyone and everyone could basically post whatever they wanted? And it resulted in, of course, pornography because... 
what else do you do with a new toy but first figure out how to do porn on it, right? <laughs> That's what everyone... So it started with pornog- pornography. Then it quickly moved to violence. Then it moved to hate and all these other things. And people kept saying, these platforms need to do something about this. They're just letting people do whatever they want. So the platform said, okay, well, this is what we can do. Because what people don't... I think people don't realize the sheer number of tweets and posts and shares that happen within an hour, there isn't, there isn't enough manpower on the face of this earth to moderate everything. So technology's only solution is figure out a way to address it technologically. Algorithms. The algorithm kind of steers the ship, if you will. And then what I see what happened was the algorithm, it works. But the same people who were complaining that they weren't doing anything, once they started getting pointed out for lying, spreading misinformation, then they got mad. Now they're mad. Now it's censorship. So it's kind of like hypocrisy. So you can't say, I want them, they need to do something as long as they don't do anything to me. Does that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what I got from that's what I get from it all yeah. so all these people yelling well, censorship yeah you're just well, mad because they did something to you the ethic that I've discovered in I don't know how long this this has been going on but it seems like the ethic in just everything anything controversial is if it does if it helps my side mm. it's good right. if it hurts my side it's bad and I don't really care you know if it's the same thing that helps my side today and then hurts my side tomorrow. I'm gonna say it's good today and then bad tomorrow. Like the example of that uh, Supreme Court business where you know we couldn't name a Supreme Court justice with 10 months before the election because it was too close to the election mm. and we can't do that. But you know, Mitch McConnell said something very, you know, very telling. And he said it, I, I don't know if he meant to say it out loud or what, but he said, you know, if the Democrats, if the shoe was on the other foot and the Democrats were in my position, they'd be doing exactly the same thing. And he's yeah. right. He's absolutely correct. Yes, he is. Because that's how you, that's how you play the game. You know, you, you don't, you, and, and, and it's only hypocrisy. You see, it's only hypocrisy if you're on the losing side of that discussion, <laughs> you know, and I mean, it's, we don't, we don't have a one rule for everyone type of scenario except for help your own side. I mean, that's our, that's our new ethic, help your own side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't really matter what you're advocating for, you know, hey amen. These same people who are so upset about Twitter, shutting them down were the same exact people who, you know, 15 years ago were calling anti-war protesters traitors for speaking out against the war. Right. And, you know, they're, they're the same exact group of people, you know, the same mindset, the same every America first. America, we like the eagle. We like the apple pie. And if you don't like it in this country, then you can get the hell out. These are the same exact people who are now on the losing side of that discussion. And all of a sudden, it's a terrible thing. Um, you know, but there's, I mean, this, the censorship aspect is, is one thing, but you, have, you almost have to ask yourself, is it really that bad to have censorship? I mean, why is it, why is it so bad that we have censorship is what I'm, what I'm saying. Why is, that, why is that a bad thing, you know? And that's a really dangerous question to ask. But it's a sincere question. Like, I, it really makes me think, like, why, why are we so against censorship when the people we might be censoring are, could be dangerous, 
you know, individuals or people yeah. who are just interested in violating, you know, social order, you know? Well, that was, that was like the backbone of most people's arguments was because uh, at the time it was mainly YouTube getting picked on. And a lot of people may not remember this, you know, when we started seeing the rise of like ISIS because of the way the algorithm works, the video, you watch a video, it says, hey, you like that? You might like this. You like that? You might like this and so on and so forth. Well, anyone could put up any video. People would find themselves down these rabbit holes of of uh, radicalization. And the next thing you know, a terrorist is born. So people were like, these platforms, they got to do something. They got to do something. They got to do something. Okay, they did something. And now they hate it. <laughs> so, it's, I, well, it boggles another, my mind. You know, I think, I think another, another issue that's associated with this stuff that a lot of people aren't discussing and I think that we need it's it's we're well past the time when we should have this discussion, but we don't seem to want to do this as a society is the fact that not only are these companies sort of acting as a gatekeeper in that sense. Yeah, people are complaining to YouTube about ISIS videos. We don't want a bunch of radicalized, you know, terrorists cropping up all over the place because of a free medium like YouTube. But it's not really free, though. That's the thing. These companies right. are making billions and billions of dollars every single year and they're utilizing our inter interaction with one another yeah over youtube twitter facebook to make their money and so we have to ask ourselves like are we actually getting something of value for the benefit that we're providing that company you know my my personal data is all over the place you know, I, I've given up on the notion of keeping my personal data private. I mean, that's ridiculous. I, I don't know why Facebook, it's always it's a privacy conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But they've sold it. I mean, they sold it 10 years ago. You know, I've had a, I had a Twitter account since 2006, I guess. And, you know, my personal data was sold 14 years ago when I opened the Twitter account. Because I gave him my name, I gave him my address, or, you know, my birth date. I gave him my email address. And, you know, I gave him a phone number to validate validate for my own safety my account you know <laughs> and supposedly it's a security feature but like look what you're trading for that at what point do these companies have a responsibility now this is what this is a the conversation we should have at what point do these companies have a responsibility to provide us actual value for the money that they're making on us and that's that's what i was talking about earlier when I tweeted that, when people say, you know, they complain about especially censorship and social media in general, I often feel like I come across like I'm defending it when I'm not, because the problem really isn't algorithms, it's capitalism. So like you said, why aren't people having more of the conversation of, do I, yeah, what is the value in this? What's the yeah. trade-off? How are they making so much money off of this? But then what happens is, because we're all humans, people go, well, how do I make that money off of it? Because <laughs> so, I can tell you, for me personally, God's honest truth, I, when it comes to my information on the internet, I kind of really don't care. And I do believe there's value in it for me. I like targeted advertising because I see the things I want. I do see the value in it for me. Like, you know, will I apply that to everyone? No, but for me, it works. 
I like the targeted advertising. I like that I see what I want to see when I want to see it. Because I never liked the whole, you know, when you're watching TV and there's commercials coming on back to back to have nothing to do with you. Or back in the old days of the internet when you had to sit through ads and look at ads that I don't care about this stuff. Thanks to targeted advertising, I don't see it anymore. And... You know, people complain about politics. You know, the only time I see politics is when people talk about politics, my friends. But people say they see political ads all the time and all these articles. And I tell people repeatedly, stop clicking on stuff. Or (laughs) I tell my friends all the time, if you are going to make a point to me and you share an ad or an article, I'm not going to click on it because it'll mess up my algorithm. <laughs> my algorithm is my personal thing. <laughs> it's my personal concierge. <laughs> well, I hope you click on all my articles. I don't... <laughs> Typically, I don't the headline's enough. And you know that actually Google in some countries is getting in trouble for that. Um, a lot of publishers don't like that they put so much in the initial link because... You know, people like me, I don't have to read through it. I get enough from it from just that first page. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, um, the, 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 uh, the, the, I don't know, I don't know if it's a devil's advocate position on that, but I mean, the, okay, so, you know, I, I have a, I have a show on, that I do through anchor.fm. And the reason why I use that is because they let me, um, play music in my show. Mm-hmm. I can only share it with Spotify. Though, Spotify which is really, users, yeah. really kind of a, I mean, that's kind of a terrible thing, but if I want to play music in the show, that's a kind of a, like agreement that I have to accept. You know, I wish they would allow me to distribute it wider, but, um, but any, at any rate, um, you know, they, they had me record a commercial for their company. Yeah. And you can put it in the show. Mm-hmm. in the middle of a talk set and there's all these rules that you can't have it within like two minutes of a song you can't have you know a song on either side of it <laughs> you have to have it embedded in your talk yeah and i actually made like 33 cents from just like the five people who have listened to that show yeah you know and i'm wondering like how much money they're making on the back end of that to allow to allow them to pay me 33 cents well, I placed my anchor ads at the beginning, so. <laughs> but I don't do music on my podcast, so it's different. Yeah. What's that? I said, yeah. but I don't do music on my podcast, oh. so. But all yeah. my anchor, my anchor ad is always at the beginning. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I just wondered, like, how much money they're making, you know, that allows them to pay me to have, a like, a, like a homemade commercial, basically, which is the commercial is the worst commercial you've ever heard in your entire life it's like well i gotta do this commercial and i'm on this this thing and here's some stuff that they want me to tell you and you know that's that's kind of thing it's like it's like a terrible commercial but 33 cents is 33 cents right like how much money are they making on that commercial i don't understand i don't get it like how much and so when i think of like all the ads that are served up on youtube or twitter you know someone's making some money on yeah. that and whenever i see a targeted ad i know that someone's making money on that i'm not making money but i know that somebody is making money well and whoever just, wonders, just served it to you is yeah well what i do is i just go through and block all the targeted all the promoted tweets 
I block every single person that ever sends me a promoted tweet. Yeah, that gets a little that gets a little hairy. But I'm talking about in general on the internet in general or like Facebook. You know, it, it's to the point now. I've been doing this so long that no matter where I go on the internet, I see the same types of ads. Mm-hmm. It's always tech, uh, recording stuff, mixers, you know, broadcast stuff, video games. In other words, stuff I like. Yeah, I don't see feminine hygiene products because it has nothing to do with me <laughs> so that's why i like targeted ads that's why i tell people you, you embrace your algorithm Teach well it. i i embrace my algorithm by using ghostry so <laughs> i don't even see ads i don't even, <laughs> i'm using well, my when i'm using youtube i don't see ads on my on my i'm i'm sure they're being served somewhere but not not in front of my eyes right 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 you know well, I don't see so, ads on YouTube because I pay Google, but that's another conversation. <laughs> I pay them not to see them. <laughs> I don't pay them and I don't see them. <laughs> and that's a you good thing do, too. You could, you could you could do that, man. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. But again, it's value proposition because it's not just for YouTube. It's for other things. Long story short, my, like I, you know, I tell people all the time, I believe what they're referring to isn't actually censorship. It's people are just being upset because platforms were asked to do something about misinformation. They did what they could do, which is come up with some sort of digital way to handle it. People get flagged for misinformation and then they don't like it. And that's the bottom line. And that's not censorship because I will tell you, I don't know if it's ever happened to you. I've had it happen to me twice where I posted something and it got flagged. And you know what I did? I said, oh, I was wrong. And I took the post down. Right. I don't understand what's so hard about that. Yeah, I, um, I remember back when when the president had mentioned that we should you know, inject bleach uh, to fight COVID, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, he was just joking. Yeah, he was just joking, sure. I mean, the same way a person that doesn't know the thing one about medicine jokes about performing a medical procedure, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they've got a, they need an appendectomy, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put a, you know, a knife down there, whatever. But anyway, I mean, these are, these are the times when people that don't know should just shut their mouths and let the people who do know talk. But I digress. Uh, at any rate, I, I had mentioned, I wrote an article about how uh, QAnon, this group, the shadow group, um, is talking about these radical um, treatments or interventions for, you know, for dealing with COVID in the house and how you had to use, like, how you had to drink, like, uh, man, I don't even, I can't even tell you what the name of this stuff is anymore. It's like liquid silver and a cleaning product, essentially. And, you know, I, I, I said something on Twitter, like, you know, some off offhanded flippant comment, like, oh, or maybe you could just drink bleach, you know, <laughs> and Twitter looked at that and saw that and said, oh, well, the algorithm said, oh, well, he's advocating self-harm here. And so they, they hit me for it. I mean, I understand, you know, but anyone reading that tweet, anyone, any human reading that tweet we like, oh, well, he wasn't actually saying that anyone should actually go out and drink bleach, you know, but the robot picked it up. And well, and I, I think that's, a, that's an important thing that I think a lot of people are missing. 
humans aren't sitting there reading your tweets. And I think that's what people, when they throw around censorship, they think there's a room of people sitting in Twitter going, well, we're going to take that down because we don't like this guy and we're going to yeah, flag right. it. It's, there's like eight people in a, in a room. They're all, all Democrats. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Well, there's the president lying again. Flag that one. But you, you, made, you made an excellent point there. The robot, as you, as you said, it, it, that's how the algorithm works. It, it goes by information it already knows and to make the determination of whether or not what you're saying is true or whether or not it's categorized as self-harm. And these algorithms have been trained. It's AI modeling. Right. So, yeah, you're joking. Computers don't get jokes because no, no back to step one of old basic programming, computers are idiots. They only do what you tell them to do. They told the algorithm, look for this. If you see this, this is what it is. Flag it. But people who keep screaming censorship, I think some of them actually believe there's a consortium of people <laughs> sitting around and their job is to just pull down conservative tweets. I believe and, you're right. And it boggles my mind that people would believe that sort of thing. But People believe all kinds of stuff, man. <laughs> and I just hope, yeah, yeah. And it's I just all kinds of weird things. And I really wish people could understand because I see people just ripping each other apart, and it feels like they just don't understand how it actually works. Yeah, but whose whose responsibility is it, you know, to I don't know, let them in on it or explain this to them or something like? Doesn't Twitter have a responsibility to tell them, look, you know, I know you think that this is. Here's the computer that finds your tweets and finds them offensive. Yeah, here here's the here's a tour of the Twitter factory or whatever, whatever the, whatever goes on in Twitter in Twitterland. I don't even know where the place is. What it, I, I'm imagining is probably in the in the valley somewhere. You it's know, everywhere. Silicon Valley. It's everywhere. But I mean, wherever the Twitter factory is, <laughs> you know, there's only like there's only like a hundred people who work there, and. Like, look at, look at, if you go back and look at the statistics about the numbers of tweets and likes and everything like that, reshares, it's in the billions every single hour of every single day, yeah. all day, every day. Yeah. For, for 15 years. I mean, those hundred people couldn't, they, they couldn't read that fast. There's no way they could possibly read that fast. Exactly. Well, the way I look at it is this. It's not Twitter's responsibility. It's not Facebook's responsibility. It is each individual's responsibility. Because people sometimes will say, well, I don't have time to figure out all, how all that works. It really doesn't take a lot, especially if you consider the same people who would say something like that are also the same people who could argue with you until they're blue in the face that the world is flat. Yeah. So you manage to find that stuff, but you can't manage to find out simply that there aren't a bunch of people reading your tweets and your Facebook posts all hours of the day there are some there are moderators especially at facebook but it's not it's just not what people think right and it's most definitely not censorship but doesn't that kind of goes back to what i was saying, i was asking about before doesn't the company themselves have some sort of responsibility well the people who use their platforms so here here's the flip side of that like i said i know it sometimes it feels like i'm defending them i'm not the biggest mistake that they've all made is a lack of transparency up front. And that goes back 
to especially the advertising piece and how they make their money. You know, people kind of get it. Yeah, they make money because they, they show ads. I click on them and buy stuff. Well, what freaked people out is, well, I wasn't even on Facebook today and I saw ads about something I was talking about. Well, because they have their tentacles in everything and everywhere. So it's that sort of thing, that lack of transparency. And the same thing with these algorithms uh, and how... Now, they, as of late, they've been trying their best to explain to people how it works and what they're doing. But I heard someone once say, um, you can't expect developers to write uh, user manuals. It was something like that. Developers can't write user manuals because no one would understand them because that's not what they do. So the problem is now these platforms are faced with how do we effectively communicate to this, this to people when the people who actually know how it works they can't really effectively communicate. So the best they can do is try to explain to you, you know, best way in layman's terms. I say people just need to stick to this simple rule. Don't believe everything you read. And not to mention, if something gets flagged, how about follow up and find out why it got flagged? Instead of freaking out and going, see, they're censoring. Why don't you, because especially Twitter, they provide information as to why they flagged it. Follow up. Yeah. And if you find out, hey, it was incorrectly flagged, maybe you should just tell Twitter, you guys screwed up on this one. Because what this person actually said is true and here's the evidence. Maybe they would turn it around. Yeah. And that's happened before. Yeah. There was a, uh, who was, oh man, it was like, they flagged the New York Times. This is recently, right? Like a couple of weeks ago, they flagged the New York Times for some article that they had published about Hunter Biden's laptop or some crazy thing like that. Well, they flagged it as well, <laughs> but they did. They reversed it, though. I remember hearing hearing them talk about this in front of Congress. Actually, when they they talked about the process that they they uh, it was uh, what. Donald Jr. Donald Trump Jr. Well, here's what the problem was. Nonsense. This well, is but this is what Jack Dorsey things. said. The the problem was they didn't explain why they took it down. They just took it down. Yeah. And so of course it looked like well they're just defending the Bidens. Well, their point was the article had people's email addresses in it and you know you got some high profile people in there and the way the, the was it the times or the post i always get those two confused oh it's the post yeah it was the post not the times the way they published it is they just left everything in there and with nothing redacted so it violates twitter's policy to post something that has so for example if i post an article of yours and it has your personal email in it and you don't want that out they'll take it down that was their point. The mistake Twitter made was they didn't tell people why they took it down. It went up and then they just took it down and then they blocked the post for like 30 days or whatever. They gave them a, you know, the little slap on the hand thing or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I always come back. I, I can't get over the point. I have to come back to it. I, it almost feels like for the amount of money that they make, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know, uh, TikTok, whatever, for the amount of money that they make on their platforms. And nobody can deny that they make tons of money. They make profit hand over fist. And for the most part, 
I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think I am. They're self-regulated. Oh, they are. What other, what other industry do you know that is allowed to make that kind of money and self-regulate? Not cable companies. Industry. Cable companies? Yeah. I don't think the cable companies are self-regulated. <laughs> there's all kinds of there's all kinds of you know regulations for the. Tell that to me in my neighborhood. <laughs> no, I, I just get upset. Well, I, mean, I get upset yeah. because people say we need to break up big tech. Okay, what's big tech and what does break up mean? When on the flip side of that, you got Comcast. Oh, next year we're raising everybody's rates. Or you have yeah. like we have Spectrum. Oh, get our get our cable package with 150,000 channels that you'll never watch. It's $49 for 12 months. And then after the 12 months, it's whatever we feel like it is, which is always upwards of two to three hundred dollars. And right. you say, well, you know what? I don't want the cable. I just want the Internet. OK, well, if you want just the Internet, that's going to be one hundred and fifty dollars. But if you get all these channels, it's forty nine dollars. Right. Where's the regulation in that? Or yeah. In, yeah, like I, mean, I was saying in my area, I, I admit that. You know, and I'm sorry. And how they stifle out any competition. Do you remember local cable operators? Yes, I do. A lot of people don't even know that there used to be a such thing. Cities and localities used to have their own cable channels and uh, stations. Yep. The giants came in and stuffed them all out. <laughs> so, well, I know, feel like the cable companies, they. They're regulated, but it's about as loose as these platforms, if you ask me. So, okay, so this sort of goes to my point then. Like laissez-faire capitalism with zero regulation leads to things like Comcast uh, on the one hand and Twitter on the other hand. So where do you draw the line between what someone like myself as a socialist would like, where there's one ISP that's controlled by the government, you know, excuse me, the society, and, you know, the, and 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 a laissez-faire, you know, anything goes, wild wild west scenario like we got on Twitter or in Comcast. It's it. I mean, I don't have the answer. I don't claim to. But it's just it's the money. It's always the money. You can always tell. It's who makes the most money and who is the most likable, maybe, because at the moment, regardless of what a lot of people say. Facebook is still very well beloved worldwide. Now, people in America can hate it all they want and go run the parlor, but Facebook ain't going nowhere. Same can be said about Twitter. People can hate on Twitter all they want. It's not going anywhere. Right. So I think it goes in cycles. So do you remember when, um, was it Jim Carrey? that told everybody, get off Facebook now, they're the devil. And there was this, you know, there was a cycle where people were like, oh my gosh, he's right, I'm getting off. And a bunch of people left Facebook. I and don't remember. then their membership went right back that. up. <laughs> so it's like, um, because that's where their grandma is sharing cat videos. Yeah. And they want to stay in touch with their grandma. And so, you know, I hardly ever use Facebook anymore. I used to use it all the time. And I might have did an exodus at the same time. The only reason I actually came on to Twitter was to promote my book that eventually mm -hmm. came out. And I eventually, you know, started getting involved with, you know, left Twitter, which is very, that's, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't want to say anything about it because they'll cancel me. 
you know. <laughs> but that's just what they do, man. I mean, they just they spend their entire life trying to figure out something to be pissed off by, and then they just cancel people. I mean, that's how they enjoy it. Like, like you know, the the, the old social days, and you probably remember this too. When when Facebook and that used to be a place that you met interesting people and had interesting conversations that you never thought you'd ever have before. And there's still some of that left, but for the most part, it's like gang mentality now, man. It's like, you know, one tribe against the other tribe, and they're like, we got our group, and we're completely and totally... I don't talk... I don't have any kind of conversations with people who are right of center. I can say whatever I want about Twitter, and everybody's like, yeah, right on, man. Like, I don't... (laughs) I don't understand how this happens. I say it all the time. I I say it all the time. We need to bring the social back in social media. Because my question is, well, actually, I have a couple questions. Uh, One, why did people start turning to social media for news? And two, why is social media considered so important as if it's water? Like people act like we have to have social media. We had it. We didn't have it before and we were fine. Why is it so important now? Well, well, if you want my opinion, to answer your first question, the reason why people turn to social media for news is the same reason they used to turn to The Daily Show for news. Because <laughs> it's more more edu, uh, edutainmental. Is that the yeah, ed, that's a good one. Yeah, edutainment. Edutainmental. Yeah. It's like educational entertainment. Uh, but it's more it's more of that, whatever that word is, than the nightly news. I mean, the nightly news is boring on the one hand, or it's all like, pure like fire you know viper you know spit on the other side Dead on the baby. cable news you yeah. know and so i tend to get like a more uh, when i when i find news on twitter i tend to get like you I, I i get the opportunity to read the headline and then if i'm interested in it i might click on it but usually i just go go past it read the headline I'm like oh that's going on oh we're at war with libya again or whatever huh that's interesting and then just keep moving on to you know, a picture of someone posting a Stalin meme or some nonsense on <laughs> like that. And the second thing is the reason why we think that we need Twitter is the same reason why a, a junkie thinks they need smack. You know, it's that dopamine. They're in it for the they're in it for the high, and then it's never as good as it as they thought it was, and they just need more and more and more of it. And FOBO, the fear FOBO. of missing out. Oh, uh, yeah, fear of missing out. Yeah, well, I mean, what do you what do you really miss out if you turn Twitter off for a day? What do you miss? I know, and everybody hates it, but they won't get off of it. Like, yeah. if you hate it so much, why don't you just leave? Right. Yeah. If Donald Trump hates Twitter so much and he gets censored all the time on Twitter, why didn't he just leave? Just Twitter. Leave. I mean, yeah. I, I, and then he well, says, his, "Well, it's the only deal. place I can get truth out." But then you're saying they're not letting you tell the truth. So right. it doesn't make any sense. And well, I didn't for mean him, for this to be a pick on him night, but <laughs> it just so happens he tends to be the biggest culprit of all this. Um, well, he, he's the biggest elephant in the room anyway. I mean, when you're talking about Twitter, of course, you're talking about Donald Trump. You know, People were talking about his following, his followership yeah. falling off. I never followed him on there. So. And you didn't have to, really. No. Yeah, because everybody else is tweeting his stuff. <laughs> ridiculous man but you know i've always said you know for him it's a little bit different than it is for you and me or for one of his followers yeah in that you know they receive words from on high via twitter 
and you and I might look at it and laugh at the stuff that they're listening to because mm-hmm. it's ridiculous, you know. But for him, it really is his oxygen, that sort of attention. And it doesn't matter if it's positive or negative. He could be having a great day if he's being censored with everything, every single thing he tweets. Right. He's having a great day because people are paying attention to him. And as long as people are paying attention to him, they're not paying attention to other stuff going on in the world. You know, they're not paying attention to what the left hand is doing because he's over here doing some kind of magic with the right. Right. You know, and that's how he works. That's how he, that's how he operates. And so the way that you stop, the way that you, the way that we as a country should have stopped Donald Trump four years ago is I don't care how many people love the guy. They can love him all day long. It doesn't really make any difference. Get him off the TV. Get him off the Twitter. You know, keep him off TV and keep him off Twitter, and then he will, you know, suffocate like a like a plant in a cupboard. You know, and he might have become a normal president if we hadn't just been feeding that monkey. You know, but the problem is people loving for that. There's a they keep saying seventy million. There's seventy million people that love how he is. So, and that's yeah. For me, it's fine. I. Keep him on TV. Keep him on Twitter. Yeah. You're a father. I'm a father. Yeah. We both know that we don't give our kids sugar every day for dinner. <laughs> you know why? Right. Because they'll get diabetes. We sometimes have to give them the, the broccoli. You know, some at some point, and this may be very condescending of me, very patronizing of me, but at some point, give the give the people who are his supporters broccoli. Mm. They have to accept. They have to take the medicine at some point. They've been on a sugar high for five years now. And, um, you know, at some point they got to come down. And, I mean, it might be better medicine to, for them to take, but maybe one day they, if they take enough of it, they might wake up and be like, wait a minute. And we've been lied to and screwed and cheated and used this entire time by this con man. I, I just don't... Um... I don't know. I guess because it's just not in my nature. I I just don't understand being that fascinated with a person. Let's 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 say he wasn't even the president. Like for example, um, young people and musicians. Now I know you know girls falling in love with boy bands or whatever. I mean I have my favorite artists and musicians, but I don't fall out over them. And that's what I see these people doing. I'm like. Okay, it's this guy, and he's doing a job, regardless of how you feel he's doing the job. There's just this level of obsessiveness that I just can't subscribe to, and I don't understand it. I've just, like I said, maybe it's just because it's not my nature. So I try not to insult people, because I'm like, okay, that's you, but I don't understand how you can be that way, especially over a president, because... That's a temporary position. Even if he won a second term, it's still a temporary position. He's going to be gone one day either way. Mm-hmm. Same, same with Joe Biden and, and Kamala. You know, you can love them all you want. You can support them. You can not love them and not support them. It's a temporary position either way. I just, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just not my personality to be that way over anyone, especially a politician. Yeah. Well, I mean... You know, people themselves are, are they bear responsibility for that. But also, you know, me and my friend uh, John and John is a I think John is actually has actually become a conservative since I've known him. 
because when I met him, he was an anti-war socialist. Mm-hmm. But he's gone. He's 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 a he's a man who grew up in the South, and you know he went into the military and he saw, you know, the way that troops were used uh, to fight wars, and you know he was down with socialism the entire time, and he slowly has you know migrated back to the right. You know, and he's a principled person. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's not one of these people who are, who's like, you know, gung ho. I support Trump. I don't care what you think. When I, he's not one of the guys that likes the fact that Donald Trump is a jerk. You know, but he also doesn't like the fact that the Democrats have fully embraced identity politics. You know, and they're not. They didn't really. They they embraced it to the point where they can use it to their advantage. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, so he doesn't like that time, and so he doesn't want to be associated with that. But he and I wrote this great article because of the fact that, and this is the people I know, John's father is a World Wrestling uh, Federation Hall of Famer. Hmm. And his dad was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame like three years ago. Because he, you know, I don't know how I, I don't know how I ran into this dude whose dad is a professional wrestler, but that's really <laughs> cool. Yeah. And he's not only a professional wrestler, but he's also a legend. And so we wrote an article together about how um, wrestling, the, the the stories that they tell in wrestling are very similar to the stories that are told on, in our politics. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of the a lot of the a lot of the storylines and the, you know, the, the archetypes in wrestling are a lot of the same. Like you have your favorites, you have your what they call faces, baby faces, mm-hmm. uh, people who are like fan favorites who go out and, you know, you know, like Hulk Hogan, the real American hero and tearing the shirt and everything. And then you also have your heels like the Iron Sheik, you know, who are foils for, you know, for the, the, the faces, the baby faces to kind of put them over, you know, and, and sometimes the Iron Sheik will win. Sometimes Hulk Hogan will win, but it's right. all scripted. Right. And yet everybody in the audience, and I've experienced this myself, everybody in the audience buys into the storyline like oh man that hulk hogan he's really gonna take the iron sheik tonight you know and we buy into it even though we know (laughs) you know that it's fake it's scripted it's totally because of the fact that we like that you know it's like watching the soap opera you know you already know what's going to happen in the soap opera but you know it's fake and you know these people aren't really in love but see they're selling this image that they are in this torrid affair and what's going to happen next you know is is the husband going to come back and find these two you know, doing something horrible and bad or something like that, you know, like what's going to happen next. Public, uh, popular, professional wrestling is a lot like that. There's the thing called kayfabe. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, we wrote that article originally in 2015. And I think we actually wrote it before Donald Trump uh, had declared his candidacy even. And because of the fact that Donald Trump then subsequently declared his candidacy and you know, then ran in the primaries and did everything that he did and eventually won, the article sort of took on legs. You know, it was cited by, I don't know how many people on the internet, you can find this article all over the place. It's like, you know, politics by kayfabe is what it's called. And just, if you just Google it, you'll find like 15 different hits of different people who have used this article because of the fact that we're, we're saying that this sort of kayfabe, this sort of, you know, uh, willing suspension of disbelief, is what people engage in when they're involved with politics. We all know that Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, you know, hung out together before they ran against each other. There's pictures. You know, the Clintons were at 
Yeah, Trump was at Chelsea Clinton's wedding or something. Yeah, there's pictures of them hanging out together. And they were best of friends. So how is it that they're able to go on TV and be like, okay, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Now we got to be enemies for the crew, for the for the people. You know, but the thing is, is that I know it's fake. You know, it's fake. Everyone who's seen the picture knows it's fake. And yet there is a set of the population for some reason, man, I don't I don't get this. And this goes to what you were saying, that doesn't know it's fake. That actually thinks that, you know, electing Joe Biden this year was the resolution of an existential crisis that we we're all facing as a society. <laughs> and you can read that. You can listen to that and be like, oh, that's ridiculous. It's so stupid. Like nothing's going to change. The institutions of the government will continue to grind ahead regardless of who's at the helm, you know. Right. And they're going to continue to do good things and they're going to continue to do horrible things. And yet, why did so many people have so much invested on getting out, getting Trump out of office? And then why did so many people on the other side have so much invested in keeping Trump in office? It's because they have forgotten that it's all a show. One thing, one, one final thing I'll say about this, man. I posted a, a graph and maybe you can link the, link the, um, the photo in the, in the show or something like that so that people can take a look it's pinned on my my twitter account um that shows the the net worth breakdown of the people in the house of representatives and Let me see if i can find when you. i i when it's if you go to my twitter profile it's my pinned tweet it's right at the very top it's a picture that shows the net worth breakdown of the people in the house of representatives the, the 116th congress which is right now oh yeah and, and actually when um that when you posted this, I was going to say, I, I remember seeing something like this before. Yeah. I mean, when I, I did the, I did the research and found the actual data from, um, open com or dot org or something like that. You can just type in open secrets, all yeah. one word, and it'll take you there if you really want to go to see it. But that's all their data. The, 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 uh, the, the, um, the data that was used to draw that picture is all from open secrets. It's from one source. It's from 2018, their net worth in 2018. Uh, I had to do a little bit of digging on, on a few cases, but for the most part, I got almost everybody. I got I left out 20 people because I just couldn't find any data on them. But if you look at that, like the top 20% of the income net worth um, um, quintile, the top 20% represents something like two thirds of all the members of the House of Representatives. Like they're all super rich <laughs> and that see that bar that's most far to the right. Mm-hmm. Those guys are the, are literally the 1%. They are quite literally the 1%. The 1%. And the next group up is the next group up is the 4% below them. So yeah. that's the top, the top 95% of wealth <laughs> is represented by that many seats in our house of representatives. And I just looked at that and I'm like, Holy cow, man, I can't, I couldn't believe it. Because I, I had a sense, but going into it, that that's what it would look like. I didn't know it would look like that. I well, mean, it kind of blew me away. So they're all rich. Well, the question you know, then would they're become all on the same team. Well, of course, the question would become: Well, where do they get their money? Well, Those are congressional net, salaries. Net worth. So it wasn't from campaign contributions. Yeah. No, it's not from salary. It's their assets. It's the assets yeah. minus the liabilities that they have. The, the top guy, uh, this guy Gianforte from Montana, 
is worth something like oh for for crying out loud well i have it there on the on the on the picture itself what that what that guy's worth i couldn't believe that when i saw that it's like something like three hundred thousand dollars man Let's see what the, what it is. But yeah, GM is, there, is there a problem with being $99 million. But is there a problem with being wealthy? What's wrong with being wealthy? What's wrong with being wealthy? Well, they're making <laughs> laws that affect the lives of poor people. They don't know what poor people live with. And so it's not there's no urgency in the House of Representatives for poor relief or, you know, for poor you know, for support for poor people or poor, they do it basically to keep the poor off their doorsteps, begging them. Mm -hmm. But otherwise that most of the stuff, most, they don't even, there doesn't even have to be a conspiracy between the house of representatives and, and the wealthy in this country, because two thirds, as you can see in that picture, two thirds of the people in the house of representatives already think like the wealthy because they are already super wealthy. Right. And, the median income is represented by that little pink dot on the left side there. <laughs> the squiggle. <laughs> yeah, that's half of the people in the United States make less than that guy. And the other half of the people in the United States make more than him. But in Congress, as you can see, this is like, he's like, he represents like, you know, he's like in the 20%, the lower 20% of the, of, of the membership. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing is, is that we think that we actually have We've been told for so long to believe that we actually have some control over this political system and that they govern in our interests and they govern in our names. And as a matter of fact, unless you're part of that, you know, upper 20 percent, they're not. You can get a majority for people for some for programs that, you know, are not in your interest. But can you say for a fact that it, just because these people are wealthy, that they don't care about the people? I mean, when you have to talk to them on an individual basis to understand. I mean, just because someone, I mean, sure. I, I know some wealthy people and they don't think like that. So. No. But that, that's that's a fair criticism, though. But, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm unemployed currently. I'm a former college professor. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't I've never asked you how much money you make, but I imagine it's probably not 15 million dollars a year. Well, uh, I won $150 million, but the state won't give it to me. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. Well, me too. But, but the thing is, I'm saying, what I'm saying is that you and I could talk to one another, and we could, we're on the same wavelength because, you know, yeah. we have the same basic, you know, economic experience in our society. You know, I used to be in the middle class. I used to be a person that was a professional, you know, before I, I was sort of priced out of that market. You and I, you and I have, have the same, you know, economic a commonality from the same place you know what yeah. i'm saying and right we have yeah we share we share that and so if you and i were to get together and decide policy of course we would think well okay so what's what's in the interest of people that we know i mean what have, what problems have we experienced in our lives yeah. and how would we resolve those problems you know you and i have never experienced the problems that people that make 189 million dollars a year have experienced never not a not a day and I swear to God, man, I know that if you made $189 million, you would not be talking to me right now. All right? Well, I got it would be some blue check on Twitter. And I don't think I'd ever be on your show. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so if you and I were to try to have that conversation, if you were ultra rich, it would be a completely different conversation than you and I can have right now. Well You see what, you see what I'm saying? Well, I've heard before that 
that's really the way America was set up anyway. It was for these people. I mean, voting rights was for you had to be a landowner. You had to be, you know, uh, an upstanding white guy in society and whatnot. I mean, in a way, this is just how our government is structured, isn't it? I mean, it was built this way. So unfortunately, the rich have always run the show. What's the incentive then for you and I to participate in that system? What's that? I mean, what's the incentive for us to participate in that system then? (sighs) To try. What justifies us going to to go vote? I mean, why should we go and vote when we don't get to see any of our own people in the office? Well, that's, that's one of the reasons why I tell people to focus primarily on your local elections anyway because that stuff has more direct impact on your life you know your local school levies your fire levies your you know your property taxes and whatnot and these people who vote every four years during a presidential election i'm like yeah that's good that you know you should vote but you like you said you know what First of all, what's really the incentive there for you? Because you don't like the guy that's in office now? Well, okay. But what's most important are those elections that are happening right around your corner. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And you tend to see people that are more like you in your own neighborhood representing, you know, you, your, your city council. You can walk up to your city councilman's house and knock on the door. And there's, a, there's some chance that he'll be there and talk to you. Yeah, you couldn't do that to a member of Congress. No, you. And what I what I was getting at with this is, you know, going back to what we were saying before, I don't understand then why people get so riled up about who's in Congress. The one thing that you should know, you know, if you're you know in the lower eighty percent of the income in this country is it's not someone who looks like you, mm-hmm. you know, who acts like you and thinks like you. That's all you really need to know. It doesn't really make it too much of a difference. I mean. That little that little category, if you go back to the picture there on the far left, the red, yeah. those are people, part of those people have liabilities, and that's like less than a net worth of less than six thousand dollars. Mm. You know, so everything below six thousand dollars, like even into the minus in some cases, minus seventeen million dollars, like one guy has. You ask yourself how you get seventeen million dollars in debt, one guy did it. I don't know how he did it, but <laughs> those are the people that's the people that look like us, right? That's yeah. the people that look like you and me. The red, the orange, and, and to some degree, you know, the yellow. That's the people that look like us. And that's such a small little part of the of the Congress. So I don't even understand why we get all riled up about who's in Congress. The Senate's even worse, by the way. The rich, richer people are in the Senate than in the House of Representatives. <laughs> but I don't understand why we should get so worked up about it because they're not us. They're making decisions that, that don't really, I mean, they, they only have like a tangential effect on our lives anyway. The president's even worse. I mean, he's making decisions that affect countries, not individuals. And so, you know, a lot of people have forgotten that and they buy into the kayfabe because they just like the spectacle. Touche. <laughs> that's all I can say to that. That's, that's so true. And I think we all get caught up in it sometimes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. And, we, and we all do. True. I mean, because when it comes to presidential elections, I mean, I... I'm not going to lie. One of the first things I look at is, well, what did the person who was just in the position do for this past four years? What exactly happened? That's what I tend to go by. And 
did anything really change of any significance for the good or for the bad? Those are like my two criteria. And I go from there. And then there's all the other little details. Like, I, I wish people would stop talking so much about the economy and gas prices because, like you said, the people down there in the red and the black, Dow Jones doesn't mean anything to them. And there's more of those people than anyone else. So what? Okay, that's great. No, the country's making money for somebody, right? Country's making money. Okay, that's good. That's good. But in the scheme of things, everyday life, for most people, that's irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. So typically when it comes to a presidential election, the economy is one of the last things I consider. Because... People also have to remember we live in a free market society and the market's going to do what it's going to do anyway. Yes, the president can make policies and whatnot. He can or not make them. He can sign off on policies that can help or hurt. But at the end of the day, the market is going to do what the market's going to do. It's not controlled right. by him. So, And I said that people used to go on and on about Obama and gas prices. I'm like... Guys, will you stop it? The president doesn't set gas prices. It has nothing to do with him. <laughs> stop saying that. Yeah. Oh, look how low the gas prices are. Yeah, it had nothing to do with him, really. <laughs> so. right. Yeah, it's really frustrating. I, I had a, a fellow that I used to drive around on my bus who was a public, public sector worker, and he was a Trump supporter. And he and I got along really, really well. And... You know, we, we would talk about politics when we were, I was giving him a ride to work or whatever. And I got around to asking him one day, I said, okay, man, you're a Trump supporter. Why do you like Donald Trump? And he said, well, my, you know, I didn't get a pay raise for 10 years before Trump. And then as soon as Trump gets in, I get a pay raise. And so I'm like, you think that he, he did that? You think that he did that? You give him the credit for that? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, man. He goes, and my 401k is looking awesome. My retirement plan is looking awesome now. I'm like, you think the president did that? <laughs> he believes it. He doesn't. He doesn't question it, man. And like I said, and it's, and you know, in all fairness, <laughs> it's true on both sides of the spectrum. People of all walks of life do that. I'm like, well. It's yeah. just not true. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you. The president didn't do that. So, yeah, wow. but if you if you say that on Twitter, then you're censoring. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Remember, we're still talking about censorship. <laughs> well, we said we talk about censoring and other stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's always fun to talk to you. Leo. It's always good to have you on. We've already run a good hour and a half, and with the hiccups and everything, and look at this. They, they they hate us so much, they keep throwing your graph back up here, too. They want people to know what you've done to society. <laughs> Took me well, a day to do that, by the way. <laughs> Put it back up there. You see what this guy's been feeding society? See what he's feeding us? But, yeah, I just, I just really wanted to, to chat with you. With someone who I respect as knowledgeable in this area. Because yeah, sometimes I feel like I talk about things to people, and they're like, well who are you? And they're right. Who am I? You know? And I know I don't know everything. So I try to reach out to people that I believe are more knowledgeable in these areas than me to try to get correct information that isn't censored. Sure. 
It's the word of the day. Well, you know, they say they say that the uh, the wise person knows who to ask. Right. And if they don't know, they know who to ask. So you're wise beyond your ears. I try because I'm also <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I think we all got a little stupid running in us, though. That's what makes us human, right? Oh, my bad. Well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, anyway, it's always a good time to come on your show, Leo. Welcome back anytime. And uh, I think the next few weeks, and this has nothing to do with you, really. I think in the next couple of weeks, we're going to make some changes, um, some platform changes. So people are used to seeing the show everywhere at 9 p.m. Eastern. That may change. We'll see what we're going to do about that. Uh, once again, I want to thank William for joining us tonight. I know we kind of went on a tangent of a lot of different things. He keeps getting kicked off because the kids are playing Xbox or whatever. But that's what life's all about. The internet. And and again, you know, I, if anyone wants to talk further about this, you're welcome to come on the show. You can shoot an email to volunteerinput at gmail.com. Uh, you can throw anything in here you want and let me know what we were, what we were wrong on or right on or you know, what you feel about it. Because like I said, honestly, I, I just think people keep throwing around the word censorship and it's just there, it's being misused. And I think it's gotten to the point where it's kind of like a pop culture phrase where people just say, well, it's censorship. I didn't get my fries at McDonald's. They're censoring me. Okay. So <laughs> it's just gotten that bad. Like you're not being censored. That's not censorship. <laughs> so. So anything else you want to add or plug? You got you said you got a you got a podcast on Anchor now. So welcome to the family. Yeah. Oh, thank you. What's the, what's it called? Yeah, Supernova Earth, Supernova Earth is a is a very old podcast. Uh, I always like to tell the the history of that of that show. Back in 2004, mm-hmm. we started a radio show on college radio and we would take the episodes of that of that and we record them with a digital recorder and then we'd post them on the internet. And we would hold them in a certain directory or whatever, and then we'd send out XML aggregate uh, feeds to aggregators. People would, you know, they would subscribe to the XML thing, and it would pull our show down whenever we posted a new one. Well, they didn't have a name for that back then. <laughs> you know, this is 2004, 2005. But they started calling it podcasting after we started doing it, which, I mean, pat myself on the back there. I believe the, Apple uh, coined that phrase. Well, sure, because they had the iPod. That's yeah, where it came yeah. from. And, and actually, uh, and I'm sorry, you know, there was a, I heard the history of it was oh, Apple didn't even call it that. People just started saying that. And Apple said, yeah, you're running a podcast. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they had a marketing guy that would be like, wait, 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 wait. They just used the word pod. We have something called pod. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, I mean, there was, it was like a whole community of people who were, who were involved with making this technology popular. You know, and some of the earliest podcasts were like the NPR's podcast, which I think is still running. And, mm. you know, there was only like several hundred podcasts in the whole world at the time. But this is not too long ago. This is like 2005. Yeah. There was like several, just a couple hundred podcasts. Well, the Creepy Sleepy Show, which is our show, started podcasting on a, on a po- podcasting basis like a couple months after they coined that phrase, podcasting. Uh-huh. So the summer of 2005, we started doing the Creepy Sleepy Show. My buddy, who who now works for CBS, um, he did I think a hundred episodes of that show uh, over the years, 
And the supernova earth show was when I, we stopped working together because we, I moved away from him basically. And it was pretty difficult to do it online and do all the technical stuff and everything. Uh, I, I started my own show called the supernova earth show in 2006. Mm-hmm. So supernova earth one was 2006. So even in the darkest, earliest misty days of, you know, internet broadcasting, what's in now called podcasting, you know, I was there doing Supernova Earth. <laughs> well, fast forward to 2000, I did 24 episodes in the first run of the show. And I was trying a little bit different formats and I just sort of got burned out because I was putting a lot of work into it and nobody was listening to it. Right. Um, uh, 2020 comes along and here's an opportunity to me for me to restart the podcast. And so, um, yeah, it's Supernova Earth uh, at gmail.com is the, is the email address and you can hear Supernova Earth on Spotify. If you got a Spotify premium account, you can listen to all the songs. And if you have just the free account, you only get like a sampling of the song, which is kind of weird, but the show is what it always was a music and commentary show. And, and uh, we're going from there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Sounds awesome. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll have to look it up here. I'm trying to pull up anchor for you, but it's going a little slow itself tonight. Maybe it's me. I'm really, I'm, I'm interested in the way that podcasting has evolved uh, in in the intervening time when I did the show beginning and, and when I'm doing it now. And so now my show sounds rather anachronistic because it still follows the format of the original show back when that was the normal format for a podcast. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, we, we, we've talked here for over an hour, uh, close to an hour and a half. That would have been unheard of back in the day to have <laughs> two people just have a conversation on right. video that's streaming live, you know, to however many people is, are watching the live stream right now. That'd been just completely unheard of, but things have changed, man. We've progressed as a society. Technology, it, it evolves and that's, that's, yeah, it's a good yeah. thing. You know, a lot of people, not a lot of people, some people get upset about the way technology evolves and it moves so quickly nowadays, especially um, okay. some people like Elon Musk think, aliens for that but um <laughs> it is what it is because what comes with that yeah. evolution is better and better tools which are often easier to use so yeah that's what we, that's the trade yeah, we did we did a we did a commercial about about not being able to give up your your tools of the trade you can't give up your ipod <laughs> once you get one you're, you're sort of locked into it yeah so all right well i think we should go ahead and wrap it up here i think we've uh hammered away at it long enough join us here every tuesday night at 9 p.m eastern i'm not going to say all the platforms because i think everybody knows by now but more than anything as usual you could also tune into voluntary input on on anchor and and to be honest that's kind of what part of the decision making is I think we're going to start pulling the show back down to be more of just a podcast again. Um, the streaming's cool. I mean, people, I've gotten a lot of great feedback about the streaming, but there's some other tools in the works and we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see from there. So thanks again for joining us again, doc. And, uh, as always, you know, you're welcome back anytime, anytime you want to just come and complain about something or (laughs) chat about anything. (laughs) <laughs> that's what i do best man either way either way all right thanks a lot on my show too if you ever get if you ever get a free shot but. hey just give me a shout out 
on the old, you know how to get a hold of me on the old tweeters. We love Twitter. I love Twitter. I, I like it. I, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, I, I have a love-hate relationship. <laughs> like most people. I had gotten Twitter back like when it, it first like started. And I left it because I thought it was boring. And I deleted my account. Then I just only recently got it, you know, started up again. So, and then I started, like I said, I gamed the, al the algorithm to get what I want. And now I love it. Because I meet a lot of interesting people on Twitter. So... All right. Too. A lot of weirdos. I love weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why we get along. I don't know. All right. You can have them all. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Again, if you have any comments, show ideas, or whatever, just shoot them to voluntaryinput.com or voluntaryinput at gmail.com. And of course, visit the website of voluntaryinput.com. Okay. See, I'm getting tired. Good night. Take care. Good night. <laughs> and wear your mask. <laughs>